0: Sometimes the fun begins when the paved road ends. Chevy Silverado 2500 HD is made to work hard and play hard on the road or off. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for details and experience life in HD. Hey, Reg, what's going on, sir? Let me get my instrument cleared here. You all set to go? I am. Yeah, let's uh, let's just kick it out, as Hart would say. Get your motor motor running, kick it out. I don't remember the whole line there, but there was a song called Kick It Out. I I loved early heart. Once again, you're looking at me with a blank stare. There was a group called heart that was huge in the 70s. And then later in the 80s, different little sound. Look it up, Google it. Just listen to me and then everything I talk about to you, Google. Because you have no reference point and no knowledge of anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. I'll give you the three S's and I'll give you the music, or I'll give you the countdown, give you the music, and I'll give you a podcast, number 371. Put it in the book. All right, here we go. Star, smile, strong. Three, two, one. Let me breathe a little here. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Pod-tastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. And why the heck isn't it theirs, too? I mean, really ask. I mean, I want you to probe. I want you to really get down. I want you to be Mike Wallace in 60 Minutes. Don't don't take no for an answer. Get out there. (laughs) If you like what you hear, don't forget. You can go to WGNRadio.com. Go to the prompt for podcasts. Hit the prompt for this podcast. If you are a longtime listener... Or you're new to this podcast, I urge you to go to that spot, because my gosh, will you find entertainment in abundance. All there for you to listen to. Just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. It's like, there's not everyone we have. Apparently, they can't can't put them all there. I don't know. (laughs) Hopefully, they live somewhere, all the older ones. But a good two or three years worth are there, so go back, find out where we were, so you'll find out where we're going. We've done 370. This is 371. So, some interesting news the last couple of weeks ago. I'm sure you've heard it, and I'm sure that you're dying to hear my... Opinion and take on it. After all, that's why you came. That's why you're here every week, right? Been doing this since May 24th, 2016. Seven years and 371, counting this one, episodes. So, big news. Yes, you know, there's Trump indictments and there's war in Ukraine and there's Craziness everywhere, big stories, little stories. This story made huge news, and part of me was a little surprised, but on further thought, it didn't surprise me at all in today 's clickbait world in today 's internet news world um it doesn't take much of a big, real news story and define real. I guess I should say it doesn't take much for a semi-story to become a big story. Because in today's world, everything is overblown. That's the whole internet. The internet blows up and tries to make every story sound so much more interesting than what really is there because they want you to get those clicks. They want you to get those views. They want you to get those shares. They want you to get those likes. But this one really did have some impact. Now, whether the, the story has meat, we can debate that. But you cannot deny The impact that it had and the reaction that it got, it didn't take quick clickbait. It didn't take some hyperbolic headline. The news itself was of great interest, which probably says more about us as a culture than it says about the news itself the fact that this would take on such huge proportions in the grand scheme of the news that happens on a daily basis. But regardless, a game show host announced he was retiring. And you would have thought that, the war in Ukraine just ended, or that World War III just started, or the World War III just ended. This news was everywhere. Pat Sajak, 76 years old, hosting for more than 40 years, Wheel of Fortune, one of, if not the most popular game shows in the history of television, right up there with Price is Right, in terms of popularity and longevity, although Price is Right is 50 years old. But it's become such a benchmark watershed part of our pop culture. This game show, which has stayed popular... In so many incarnations, started as a daytime show, went as a nighttime show, had a daytime and nighttime version. You know, afternoon, now it's there's, there's a primetime version. It's unbelievable. So Pat Sajak, the amiable host, announced after 40 years, at age 76, that he was going to retire and step down as the host. And my gosh, did ripples get sent around the pop culture universe. A part of me was shocked that it was such a big deal. But then, as I said, when I think about it in today's world, and you think about the fuss that was made, When Alex Trebek announced that he had cancer and would be retiring, and then when he ultimately passed away, and then there was the big search for the the new Jeopardy! host, and there was all these daily questions of who was going to get it and who was hosting next, and it, it it dominated the Internet for months. So as I said, in today's world, pop culture news is news. Pop culture news 20, 30, 40 years ago used to be the funny little kicker story at the very end that the news people would just drop in as a marginal public interest and make a little comment about it and have a little chuckle and then they'd say, and we'll see you tomorrow. But it wasn't a major story. But now in 2023 because of social media, because of the Internet, and because everyone now comments on everything, and because Wheel of Fortune, like it or not, regular viewer or not, you cannot deny the success and the influence and the longevity And the popularity of this very simple game show, which is really the reason why it is all those things, why it's been so successful, why it's so iconic, why it's been on for 40 years, why it's remained popular. It's because it's simple. Anyone can play it. It's... It's nice as background noise. It doesn't offend anybody. It goes out of its way to be ultra ultra cornball ultra cheesy ultra milk toast. You can't there you know Pat and Vanna, Vanna White, doesn't even turn the letters anymore, just touches them. <laughs> have really done an amazing job of maintaining that show's benevolence. They, You can argue that they they don't bring much to the table, but you know what? They don't have to. The show and the game sells itself. Now, I'll be honest. I... Have never been a big fan of Wheel of Fortune. As iconic as it is in pop culture, and no question it is, for the most part, I have not watched it. To me, it was a little too easy. And a lot of times, to me, what's frustrating is the puzzles. Have nothing to do with what they say. The theme of the puzzle is it's so vague sometimes, or so it's like what? I mean, it's like okay, uh, the, the 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 topic is a thing, a thing. Well, what's a thing? Could be anything. So that's always driven me crazy. That I wasn't very happy with the way the puzzles were presented in their categories. To me, they were too nebulous and too vague and too over-encompassing. So it, and when you read the when the puzzle was finally delivered, you're like, okay, I get it. I guess it does technically fall into that category, but it's not the category I would have used to describe this puzzle. I was never a big fan of Pat Sajak. As I said, he was a little milk toast, a little corny for me. I appreciated Vanna White, pretty woman, but I never was gaga over Vanna. So I never really have watched and, and, and I can honestly say in forty years I haven't if, if I've watched full and I'm not exaggerating, if I've watched ten episodes of Wheel of Fortune in the last 40 years, and I watched for a good time there, I, and I still watch a lot of television. The Wheel of Fortune has just never been on my radar screen. I love game shows, and I love old game shows. I watch Buzzer in the Game Show Network. I love Match Game. I've seen the reruns millions of times. I still will watch on occasion the new episodes of Price is Right. Not a fan of the new um, Let's Make a Deal. Not a big Wayne Brady fan. He's bringing too much. The show's too much about him and his improv stuff. It's the game we watch for. It's not the host. It's the game. And that's where Pat Sajak, even though he's not my cup of tea, I have to give him credit. The game explains itself. The game plays itself out. Pat does what he needs to do. He's amiable and affable and nice to the contestants. He's always optimistic. He's always encouraging. He'll tell a a bad, corny, horrible joke. And then they'll spin. They'll ask for a vowel. (laughs) Oh, they'll buy a vowel, ask for a letter. The cool thing I used to like about the early days of um of Wheel of Fortune was that you got you won money and then you bought things. remember that now you just win money but before you they would open up the showcase and you would win a thousand dollars if you won the game you know you kept you know spinning and getting letters and then you you accumulated money and then you would go to the showcase and you would buy oh I'll take the I'll take the couch and then of course they always for some reason had this ceramic dalmatian which was so tacky that actually became kind of a trademark of the show and some people would actually buy because it was wasn't you know, people were trying to use up the money. They only had $50 left. And if you remember in the early days of Wheel of Fortune, people would go and they would buy the sofa or they would buy a vacation or they would buy whatever what they had with the money they had to buy. And then, of course, what would they do? I'll take the rest, what? Finish, fill in the blank. If you're a fan of Wheel of Fortune, you should remember this. Okay, Pat, I'll take the couch. I'll take the um, washer and dryer. Yes, I will take the Dalmatian, and I'll take the rest on a gift certificate. Remember that? And then, I don't know, several years ago, maybe it's been decades now, as I said, I don't really watch it. Uh, Now it's just money. But that used to be kind of cool. But there's no question that this has become a staple, a television Legend, icon—you can really say that that term "iconic" is dropped around is dropped way too much these days. But Wheel of Fortune is a pop culture icon; you cannot deny it. And Pat Sajak and Vanna White, whether they're your cup or tea or not, will go down in history. So Pat, really, you know—I mean, we've just lost to, uh, you know, sadly, to cancer. Alex Trebek, who was in his 80s. I don't think Alex, I mean, Alex did not want to quit. Alex, if if Alex's health had remained, I think Alex would have literally, um, and he did. He hosted that show almost right up until his death. And I think if he would have lived another 10 years, he would have been 90. And if he could have done it, he would have done it. He loved hosting that show. Now, Pat Sajak cannot certainly begrudge this show. It's brought him fame, immense fortune. He reportedly makes, at this point fifteen million million a year to be the host of Wheel of Fortune. You say, wow, that's obscene. But it isn't obscene. Don't begrudge Pat Sajak for making $15 million a year. Because I'm sure that show probably makes $500 million a year. They wouldn't be paying him that much money if they couldn't afford to pay him and still make a huge profit. That's why, don't get mad at at athletes or anybody that makes these. The owners are not giving money away that they don't have. The owners are going to make their profit. So if Pat is making $15 million and Vanna may be making 15 as well, it costs $30 million for their salaries alone. Believe me, that show is taking in a half a billion dollars easily. They're still getting a fraction of what that show makes. And you can question their worth, but like them or not talent or not ability or not they are the reason in large part while people watch it yes the game itself draws people in but they complement that game so that they don't turn people off that's the key like match game with Gene Rayburn and all the uh celebrities in that game the, the 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 celebrities drove the show the game was fun the game was interesting but it was the cast gene rayburn was a was was a ham he did his mr periwinkle impersonations when he would read the question Mr. He's so old. Or dumb Dora is so dumb. But it was Richard Dawson and Charles Nelson Riley. Oh. And Brett Summers. And then some of the regulars like Betty White. And Patty Deutsch. And Marsha. Um, Marsha Wallace. That made that show. It was the unpredictability and the craziness and the personality of them. Same way as Jeopardy. It's the game. Why Alex Trebek was so good and why he hosted that show for 40 years was because he treated the game with respect. He didn't infringe on it. He didn't let his personality dominate it. Now on match game, It was the personalities that sold it because the game was kind of simple and easy. But Wheel of Fortune, they have this wheel and they have that board. And people are calling out the numbers and you're guessing at home. The host and the letter turner need to just stay out of the way and let the game proceed. Same thing with Jeopardy. People who watch Jeopardy want to play along. They want to hear the answers. They want to hear they want to they want to they want to compete against the contestant. That was the original lure of game shows when they first started on radio is that people would like to compete with those people on the show as well as to see if they could win or lose, but they but some a good portion also wanted to see if they were good enough to compete. So Jeopardy is the game. Wheel of Fortune is the game. Price is right. Might be closer to a mix. Drew Carey does a nice job. Bob Barker did a nice job. But the games, the pricing games, are what draw that. That big wheel that you spin for the showcase and all that stuff. It's still the game. Drew is a funny guy, but he doesn't dominate. He picks his spots, he tells his little jokes, but he doesn't go crazy. He knows it's his job to stay out of the way. Now, that's a great job, if you can get it, to stay out of the way. The game is so great that your job is to just make sure it stays on the rails, once again, don't do anything to sh- to rock the boat. Even if you're an edgy comedian, which Drew Carey could be, but he knows his audience and he knows what's expected of him. Now, some people could say, "Oh, well, Drew Carey's been a, a sellout," you know. Well, perhaps he has, but he hit the lottery with that show, in terms of a. A lifetime of, of job security and a boatload of money, as has Pat Sajak for forty years. So a lot of people are wondering why would Pat Sajak leave this job? It's simple. I don't know if you, want, if a lot of people might not know this. It's gotten a lot of publicity over the last several years as the. Inner workings of all entertainment have been more exposed to the general public. There used to be a, a great uh, ignorance; the, the the general public didn't know anything about how shows were run. Now we know who showrunners are and who producers are and things like that because, once again, everything has just been more exposed. As this need for 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 information has grown, but I don't know if. But some people might not know. Do you, most game shows that you see The entire year's worth of episodes. They don't shoot those weekly. They shoot those the whole year within maybe a month or two. Five shows a day for two and a half or three months. And they get 12 months worth of shows in the can and those hosts get paid, especially like your Drew Carey's and your Pat Sajak's, tens of millions of dollars for like three months' work. So if you're in the entertainment business, nowadays, game show hosts are winning the lottery. And as we've seen in the last 20 years, pretty much since Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and with Price is Right, we've now seen the game show being hosted by popular entertainers, mostly comedians or talk show hosts, who already have a built-in popularity and audience from a previous job or show. When game shows began, and they began on radio, they go that far back, game shows, since they were on radios, were hosted by professional broadcasters who were on the radio. They spoke well, they spoke clean. You had to communicate through... The spoken voice, so they had pleasing-sounding voices. They were articulate. They could read from a script. That's what they were doing before. Mike Wallace was a game show host. The hard-driving reporter on 60 Minutes was also a game show host. Most of the game show hosts then, when television was born and the game show made its logical Transition from radio to television, many of the original game show hosts were all radio broadcasters. Many of the original television newspeople and any kind of announcers on television naturally came from radio. The first TV stars were mostly radio stars. They had built-in audiences. They were broadcasters. The people knew them from radio, so they were used to them. Now they had to get used to looking at them. In many ways that destroyed some careers. There was a radio comedian named Fred Allen who was one of the most popular radio shows in history, along with Jack Benny and George Burns and Bob Hope who were all big radio stars. Fred Allen his name was. And he had a hugely popular radio show. He was a comedian and he had a hugely popular radio show. And while Jack Benny and George Burns and Bob Hope and Milton Burl and many others that were big in radio in the 30s and 40s made the transition to television and hosted their own shows. Fred Allen Could not. Do you know that name? Probably not. If you listen to radio 70 years ago, you knew Fred Allen. But we don't remember Fred Allen anymore. Because Fred Allen was really not a good looking guy. He was the original face for radio, he was funny. He had a huge audience on radio. But when he came on television, he was not a good looking guy. And people did not take that same audience that listened to him on radio. They wouldn't watch him on TV. His career literally just went into the basement. He still appeared on game shows every so often. But he he should have been huge on television. But he wasn't a good-looking guy. TV is a visual medium. Now, Milton Berle wasn't a great-looking guy either. But Milton Burrow was smart in that he played off that, and he dressed up like a woman, and he didn't have to be good looking. But when people saw Fred Allen, they they weren't immediately attracted to him as they were other people like George like Jack Benny, who these guys weren't you know Adonises, but Fred Allen just had a, a very odd look to him, and his career completely toppled when television came. But most of the original game show hosts were all broadcasters. So, your Gene Rayburns, your Jack Berries, your Bill Cullins, your Alan Luddens, your Tom Kennedys, your Wink Martindales, Jim Lang, many of the Bob Barker, They were all radio people. They worked in radio somewhere. They were announcers. They were reporters. They were news people. But they were broadcasters. They were radio broadcasters. They spoke well. They could read off a script. They had some experience being in front of an audience and behind a mic, and they made the transition to television. That used to be a specific job category. As I said, I watched Buzzer, which is a, uh, a station that shows all the old, many old um, game shows from the 60s and 70s and 80s. There's another one called the Game Show Network. And um, you saw the same people hosting various game shows. Some were long-lived, but others were on for 13 weeks and the show didn't make it. And then that same host got hired again. And he was on something else. Tom Kennedy was on a million game shows. He was on Split Second, and he was on Name That Tune. And he was, and Bill Cullen was on. Bill Cullen was the original host of Price is Right. And then he did Blockbusters and he did and then they did nighttime versions. You'd see the same people. Chuck Woolery was another one. I bring up Chuck Woolery because many people don't know. That Pat St. Jack was not the original host of Wheel of Fortune. The original host was Chuck Woolery. And Vanna White was not the original letter turner. Susan Stratford was. But from what I understand, and that show was on and it was popular. It was on during the day. And it was on. And apparently, Chuck Woolery, who went on to then host many different shows, including his biggest hit later became Love Connection in the 80s, but he bopped around like all those other game show hosts, like Wink Martindale with Tic-Tac-Toe. He hosted a million things. Like I said, Tom Kennedy, all these guys, they bopped around. Jim, Jim, uh, Jack Nars, who was Tom Kennedy's brother. Did you know that? There's a guy named Jack Nars who hosted many shows, including the original Concentration and a show called Now You See It. He was Tom Kennedy's brother. Could you imagine that? Two game show hosts in one family. (laughs) Tom Kennedy changed his name, but their real last name was Nars. They were brothers. And from what I understand, Bill Cullen was married to one of their, there was some incestuous thing where Bill Cullen was married to, to to Tom Kennedy's sister. There's some weird thing. I mean, it was a little world of these seven, same 10 or so guys that were talk show hosts, quiz masters. And it really wasn't considered like it is today. Like I said, this news of Pat Sajak retiring, Became major headline news, but the status of a of a of a game show host or a quiz master was not very high on the entertainment ladder. In fact, there's a great episode on Mary Tyler Moore Show where Ted Baxter, the anchorman, starts to host. A game show. A silly, horrible game show. But Ted is so good at it. Because he tells the corny jokes. And he's into the game. And he's a broadcaster. He does it well. And the show actually becomes very popular. To the point. Where the popularity of the game show. Is higher than his newscast. And so Lou Grant. Played by Ed Asner, has this big uh, talk with Ted to say, "Look, Ted, you got to pick the game show or the news." And and basically, Lou makes this argument and says, "Like the way I've just been saying it, Ted, do you want to be a newsman or a quizmaster?" It's a put down like you're, you're, you know, if you're a newsman, you've got integrity and you're doing something important. And instead of being a quiz master, it's, it's fluff. It's, it's nothing. It's not important, but my gosh, in the last 50 years, has that changed right now? Game show host is apparently One of the most coveted jobs in entertainment. And that's no lie. That's not hyperbole. That's not my opinion. When Pat Sajak announced his retirement, immediately, the same way people make conjectures about who will be the next president. When, 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 a, when a sitting president, if he, gets a, he or she gets elected to their second term, okay, they've termed out, right? So they can't run again. When they, if they win their second term, right after they, the news announces that they won their second term, immediately now in today's world, because we're always looking what's next, people are talking about who will be the next president. Even though the president's just starting his second term and it's four years away, there's already the horse race. It's it's the most coveted job and so it gets the most attention. But is it the most coveted job? Because when Pat Sajak made the surprising announcement, because people just figured, you know, he's so synonymous with Wheel of Fortune, the show's gonna be on forever. So most people thought, like just like you know Alex Trebek, that he would do this thing until he couldn't do it anymore, physically. But Pat apparently has other ideas. I don't know if he has other uh, projects in mind, or maybe he just says, you know what, I still have my health, and I I I just want to relax and enjoy my family and my fortunes and do whatever I want. As I said, it's an odd choice because. That show does not take up a lot of time. You can still do all those things and still make $15 million, Pat. So, who knows what really is behind it? But he made his decision. But my point is, as soon as he announced he was quitting, in the same breath, people were predicting who would be the next host. The show would definitely go on, it's still popular. Vanna doesn't want to quit. Vanna knows she's got a great job there. She doesn't even turn the letters anymore. She just touches them. Been doing that for 20 years, just touching them. If you think about it, there was no need for Vanna or any letter turner. The whole, most game shows and their elaborate sets are all about self turning things. In the early days of Jeopardy, before video and digital, they would go to the the board and the, the question would turn on its own electronically. Vanna's lucky in that they could have saved money. They just wanted a pretty girl to be there turning the letters. She never said anything. But they didn't really have to have a letter turner. They could have just, they, they could have had those electri- electrically turned themselves. And Pat could have said, oh, yes, there's two L's. And the, the thing would have turned. They didn't have to have somebody physically on stage doing that. They did it because they wanted a pretty woman to turn the letters. It was very sexist for the day. There's no question about that. If you ever watch Match Game, you'll know. During the super match, you know they had these little those little things that slid. They would say, you know, Butch Cassidy and blank. And then there would be the three categories, and then there would be the three answers, according to the uh, you know, the audience poll. And many times Gene would say, slide it, Earl. There was some guy behind the set, Who would move the thing physically. And you would see the word. It wasn't electronical. There was a guy that was physically moving it. So there could have been some guy. Smoking a cigar. Sitting on a stool. The way they could have designed the set. And when Pat said is there an L. He could have just moved it from behind the set. You didn't need Vanna. Vanna is probably the biggest lottery winner in the history of the world. She won the lottery. She never bought a ticket. But Vanna White won the lottery because her job, and I put that in quotes, wasn't really, even in the sphere of the game show, wasn't really necessary. Those letters could have turned themselves. They had the technology to turn the letters themselves. But the creator of Wheel of Fortune, Merv Griffin, who many people today probably don't even know, Merv Griffin was a B-list, maybe even C-list singer and entertainer, who then became very popular with a daytime and nighttime talk show. And then he built an empire because of his talk shows. He had the, the production ability and he came up with the idea for Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. I mean, talk about hitting the jackpot many times. Merv Griffin, a, a C-list Celebrity, was a singer, didn't have that very good of a voice, never would have made it as a singer, wasn't in the late night talk show world, didn't have to compete against Johnny Carson really in his heyday. So he was on during the day when competition was less and he had some interesting guests that women would enjoy because, and Merv was a nice looking guy, very amiable once again and back then i'm not being sexist at all most of the most in the 40s and you know in the 50s and 60s and 70s and even the 80s most women were not in the workplace so they were watching daytime tv as background noise when they were doing things around the house that's that's the way culture was don't i'm not being sexist i'm just telling you the truth so merv was a once again non-threatening entity had some guests on that women would like, actresses, psychologists, things like that, books, and and wound up being a very popular daytime talk show host, and then came up with these game shows. But those two, my gosh, those are literally, those two shows are multi-billion dollar revenue makers. Merv Griffin. Who would have thought? I bet you not even Merv. I'm sure Merv was shocked at his success. Those game shows became the biggest success of his life, much more than, the, than his TV shows. And they live on today. But my point is, when Pat Sajak announced he was retiring, not only was this big news, but immediately there was conjecture as to who would take his place and within a couple of weeks after, people have already now now right now we are in the middle of it. Everybody in the entertainment world is throwing their name in the hat. Right out of the box, Ryan Seacrest, who ultimately and now will I as as I record this, nobody's been announced, because Pat's gonna do this for a year. And I'm sure maybe six months from now they'll they'll announce who the new host will be. So no one really knows for sure. There is some wonderings if it might be Vanna. There's might there's some wonderings if it might be Pat Sajak's daughter. In today's world, uh you know, I uh, today especially on television, women are getting jobs that used to be considered men-only jobs. So it would it would make sense that a woman might be the new host. They don't need somebody to turn those letters. We already know that. So maybe Vanna makes the move. Who knows? But right away, within a day, Ryan Seacrest's name emerges. And let's be honest, I'm not a big Ryan Seacrest fan. He's once again, you know, He's likable, but he doesn't, I mean, he's, he's, he's cookie cutter, but that's what appeals to middle America. It always has Ryan Seacrest is our version of Dick Clark, Dick Clark from the forties and fifties and sixties and seventies and eighties. And into the two thousands was on, he had 15 different jobs. He was on television, every show. He was a game show host of $10,000 Pyramid. He was on Bandstand. He did Dick Clark's Rock and Eve. It still has his name on it every year. He produced the Golden Globe Awards. He produced the American Music Awards. This guy had a, another, just like Merv Griffin I'm telling you about, Dick Clark, Google him, had a multi-billion dollar media empire. He hosted a show called Bloopers and, uh, uh, you know, Blooper Show with, like, from the, all the mistakes that they would make on TV shows, him and Ed McMahon. He was just like Ryan, Ryan Seacrest. In fact, Ryan Seacrest uses Dick Clark as his role model, and Dick Clark liked him. He saw that Ryan Seacrest had that mass appeal. Ryan Seacrest does not offend anybody. Ryan Seacrest, women like him. He's a, he's a nice looking guy. He doesn't say anything that's going to uh, make him controversial. He was on with with Kelly Rippa on that show. He was the host of idol he's, he he has a nice smile he's encouraging he you don't know anything about his opinions he doesn't he's not going to be divisive he's very milk toast, but that's what though that job entails and he does it well whatever that is he's kind of a he's vapid in many ways but you know what it doesn't matter people like him women like him and that's important women are big tv watchers no question so right out of the box Ryan Seacrest's name was mentioned and those of us that aren't big, you know, Ryan Seacrest fan can roll our eyes, but but then you, I also have to be honest. Ryan Seacrest is the perfect choice to take over that show because of all the reasons I just said. For the same reasons that Pat Sajak was good for that show, Ryan Seacrest will 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 not offend anybody. He will be likable. He will encourage the guests, just like he does American Idol and he'll have a nice smile, and he'll interact with Vanna perfectly, no question if she stays around. And that show will not even miss a beat with Ryan Seacrest, will not even miss a beat. And sadly for for Pat Sajak, who's been around there for 40 years, Pat, if Ryan Seacrest takes over that job, people won't even remember that you hosted it. That's how smooth the transition would be. And once again, I'm not criticizing Pat Sajak, but Pat Sajak is exactly that too. He kept the job because he didn't really bring anything to the job. He was just enough. When he tried to strike out on his own about 25 years ago, CBS thought, well, this guy's got this amazing popularity with Wheel of Fortune. And, you know, he's kind of quippy. He tells these little jokes. He's kind of amiable, once again. Maybe he could be a talk show host. He talks to the guests. He's He has these little quips, and he's got banter. That's what it takes, right? Well, got this huge audience that like him, so he could be a talk show host. People go to late-night talk shows for different reasons. They want a little edge. They want a little um controversy. They want someone a little more bolder and on the on the on the edge of things. Pat Sajak's talk show career lasted 4 months. He's been on Wheel of Fortune for 40 years. He had his own talk show on CBS, Late Night Talk Show against Johnny Carson from January to April of the same year. <laughs> this is my point he got out of his lane the sad the, the sad part of the the um the wheel of fortune story is chuck woolery chuck woolery who's bounced around he's had a nice little career i'm sure he's living and he he made he made a nice living but he had to bounce around from from game show to game show would have been nicer to have had this one show for 50 years which he could have almost had before pat sajak but he wanted more money. So Merv just said, hey, it's the game. Once again, Merv was smart. Merv knew. You know, when, when Merv put together the show initially, Chuck Woolery was in that little group of the talk, of the game show host that just kept going from game show to game show. After the, if one got canceled, they went to another one. And Chuck was in that was was lucky enough to be in that little rotation. Nice looking guy, deep voice, perfect. Could read. <laughs> That's all it took. But Chuck got all high and mighty and wanted a raise, wanted more money from Merv. And Merv knew that people aren't watching the game for the host; they're watching the game for the game. So he said. Bye, Chuck. And he got a guy who wasn't a game show host, who wasn't in that little corral, he wasn't in that little rotation. He was an LA new weather guy who, who Merv would see on television. And Merv said, Well, he's a nice looking guy, he tells little jokes as most weathermen do. Don't forget, David Letterman was a, was a was a weatherman at one time. And he knew he could get Pat Sajak for much less because he's giving him an opportunity that Chuck took for granted. I'm going to put you on a national game show. Well, for Chuck, it was no big deal. He had already hosted game shows. He thought he was the lure. But Merv knew that he can get this, this other guy that was a local weatherman who was doing shtickle. He wasn't really a meteorologist. He wanted to be on television. All right, well, I'll put you on television as a quizmaster, And got him for a song, I'm sure. Probably got him for half as much as what Chuck wanted. And the rest is history. And Pat Sajak was perfect for that job. But my gosh, not only was there speculation about, and still is, and once again, by the time this airs, I don't know, by the time this is posted, I don't think they'll have named anybody, but right out of the box, Ryan Seacrest's name was mentioned. Whoopi Goldberg said, I'd like to do it. (laughs) Vanna White said, oh, I wouldn't mind doing it. Stephen A. Smith, the sports guy on ESPN, he threw his hat in the ring. I don't think that Pat Sajak realized that he had the most coveted job, not only in entertainment, but in the world. Everybody wanted that job. Pat had it, and he gave it up. I think if he realized just how many people were envious of him, and want, secretly wanted that show and that job, from his ego alone, he would have kept it. I, I'm sure if you asked him to be honest, he was shocked that his, that his announcement, A, made that much news, and B, how many people secretly wanted that job, and then the secret was out. And they were, they were putting themselves out there to be considered. Now, it'll be interesting to see if they, if the producers of Wheel of Fortune do the same debacle that the people from Jeopardy! did. They thought, you know what, we can string this out, we can have all these potential people hosted for a week, and we'll make all this buzz about who's the next host for this week, and we'll fill the summer, and blah, 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 and by the third or fourth week, that got boring. People said, oh, just name a host already. Then they went through all those people, and then they chose the producer of the show. The guy that was deciding it picked himself, which was a debacle. So then they dug up some stuff out of him, and he had to quit. (laughs) my bet is if they were smart they would do pat do this last year he said he's quitting next year they do this farewell season to pat they they give him all these accolades everybody oh my gosh pat we're going to miss you and they do this big send off and they announce the person and the new host takes over immediately no tri- excuse me no trials no mystery, no five weeks or two months of waiting, you know, th- three months of waiting with guest hosts. Just name the host, get him in there, and let the game continue. That's the smartest way to do it. Learn from the horrible Jeopardy mistake. You know, Jeopardy didn't know what to do then, then they had to have two hosts. Because then they, had, they didn't have a woman, so I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. It'll be interesting to see, I wouldn't be surprised if a woman gets the job. That's what's happening in a lot of you know within the media, so that wouldn't be surprising. I don't think v, uh, uh, Vanna will get it, but I'm just shocked that there are used to, that how many people and entertainment want that job. Now, I don't know if it's going to come with a $15 million salary, but they know that you get a lot of money, a lot of exposure for very little work and very little preparation. What does Pat have to do every day? He doesn't have to study. He just goes to the office, puts on a suit, gets in makeup, goes out there and says, okay, spin the wheel. No, there's no L. Oh, where are you from? Well, good luck to you. Yeah, you could buy a vowel. I mean, it, it's, an, it's an amazingly easy job that's well-paid, clearly has some status. I mean, there was a time when people would say, you know, someday your child may grow up to be president. But now I think the host of a game show, especially a beloved game show like Jeopardy or Price is Right or Wheel of Fortune. I think more parents are wondering, can my son or daughter grow up to be the host of Price is Right? Can they grow up to be the host of Jeopardy? Can they be the host of Wheel of Fortune? Who needs the president? Doesn't pay that well. You get criticized every day on on Wheel of Fortune. You got great job security, millions of dollars, and everybody loves you. And you don't have to really study. That's the job. It's not president anymore. It's game show host, which used to be the laughing stock of entertainment, is now the most coveted job in only not only entertainment, but maybe in the world. (laughs) Who would have thought? To be honest with you, I said before, I don't watch Wheel of Fortune. I don't really care who gets the job because I'm not going to. I didn't watch it with Pat and Vanna, who were the icons. And I I guarantee you, whoever they choose is going to be just as cookie cutter as Pat Sajak was, male or female. They're not going to bring anything interesting or fun or edgy to that show because that show doesn't need it. So I'm probably going to continue not to be a wheel watcher. (laughs) But they don't need me, obviously. So yes, it will be interesting over the next year or so to see what kind of um, send-off Pat Sajak gets and how the continued guessing game goes as to who will be the new host and how they will do it And when they will announce it. Producers of Wheel of Fortune. If you're smart, you will behind the scenes choose your host. As much as I hate to say it, because like I said, I'm not a fan. But you know what? If you want to just keep that franchise going without a hitch. Yes, the most logical, easy guaranteed success as much as it hurts me to say because the guy's got 18 jobs and he's got billions of dollars at this point and he's just gonna get another job but you know what Ryan Seacrest is our generation's version of Dick Clark he is our generation's version of Pat Sajak he is our generation's version of Merv Griffin and these are people who are immensely popular who didn't rock the boat who didn't have an opinion they fit the suit and that's what the next host of wheel of fortune needs to do fit the suit whether it's a men's suit or a woman's pantsuit or a dress doesn't matter but the next the next host just needs to fit the suit fit The image, be slick, be corny, be likable, be affable, and stay out of the way. And that, it was the key to Pat Sajak for 40 years, and that will be the key to whoever is the next spinner of the wheel on Wheel of fortune and so ends another episode of elton jim's captain podtastic every monday a new episode is posted at wgnradio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast we are there and don't forget to tell your friends tell your family tell anybody you know who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is elton jim's captain podtastic and it should be theirs too your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated Hope you enjoyed episode number 371. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening Walton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen.